Hey, hey, welcome to Humans of Metagame, a meta radio podcast about, well, the humans of metagame. We'll be interviewing the players and patrons of metagame about who they are, how they got here, why are they here, and why do they even like metagame? Why? And for this very first episode, I bring you Hamad the Meta Dreamer. He was among the first to join Metagame, and he was the very first serious builder to have started building Metagame. And though I never actually met the man, I owe a lot to him. If it weren't for him, it's very likely that I would have given up on Metagame. So you should thank him too. Without further ado, here's Hamad the Meta Dreamer of Metagame, Meta Factory, Sourcebread, and probably a bunch of other projects in the future. I hope you enjoy. Welcome Hamad. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's a fu- it's funny like it's the people who like know me from before still call me Hamad, but like all the newer people who know me call me Meta Dreamer, and a lot of people get confused because they don't know it's the same person. But yeah, I I do I still address you as Hamad in chat, like when I tell people about you, and yeah, that that definitely happens. I just have problem with uh, writing Meta Dreamer with uh, caps lock. <laughs> Go ask Meta Dreamer. <laughs> yeah, you have to yell it every time. Some people just abbreviate it to MD. Yeah. Yeah, but that can <laughs> that also confuses people. Yeah, new people. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it until until it eventually uh, settles on something. Let the market decide. <laughs> uh, did you like? Uh, do you want to be more anon? Actually, is that uh, do you want people to stop calling you Hamad? Um, no, like I don't I don't care if my like my friends and people I know call me by my name. But generally, I think I just wanted to have more like semi-anon public facing thing. Plus, like, Meta Dreamer is just a cool name. It's like, uh, kind of like Persona. If you've seen, like, Mr. Robot, Meta Dreamer is like Mr. Robot. And Hamad is like Elliot. <laughs> All right, yeah, so tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> God damn, I still have these. You know, we try to be, like, speak words cleanly on the podcast, and then I just don't do it. Who, who cares about clean words? Dirty words is where it's at. <laughs> oh, talking about that, uh, people still trying to push for more political correctness in metagame. It's so it's it's weird. I think Jelly like brought a, a really a great point. I think it was Jelly when he said like we have to decide like do we want to be like the South Park or do we want to be the Simpsons? And I do think we want to be South Park, but we do also have to be like uh, friendly and inviting to people it's it's weird find hard to find this uh, balance yeah it's like the bigger you get the more you know people there are that are gonna get upset on stuff so it's it's hard to like be big and also like have that like level of controversy it's interesting to the people that get away with it they put it under like a guise of comedy you know it's like as in like joe rogan and you know dave chappelle and all this stuff 
they're they're saying like real stuff you know but they, they use like the guise of comedy as like their protective barrier against like those sort of things you know yeah absolutely you know my i plan on like uh, if i turn my twitter account into something more controversial i will uh, put uh, a failed comedian in my bio <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> but yeah we, we'll finally have a like a code of conduct in place i remember that when when this was gonna be implemented years ago not years ago but years ago in crypto time <laughs> at first i didn't like the idea but i think yeah it's it's kind of necessary yeah so about myself i'm a software engineer and designer i joined metagame and kind of just started contributing to web3 ecosystem like late 2019 metagame's kind of like the thing that pushed me to like get involved more actively and i think it was just like the simple fact that there was even like a call to action to get involved like an ask usually like when you're just reading about crypto stuff you know you're just kind of like passively consuming and watching what others are doing but metagame kind of had this you know it was like a quest you can go on and you know that kind of like opened my eyes to the whole like kind of crypto space and how it works and how it is really just a big mmorpg um even like all of DeFi and everything like everyone's just trying to like you know get the most loot optimized for like different things you know going around building clans building communities and so because like crypto is like the closest thing to like a real life mmorpg already and metagame was kind of trying to like you know formalize that that that's what was really exciting about that for me right i remember you saying like that uh, how you were going to devcon and you thought that like there's no way for you to get involved like and to do something useful if you don't know solidity and like <laughs> you're a developer and a designer so like <laughs> those are real skills and you like still thought that yeah it was only when i like went into devcon and like saw and like talked to people you know got a sense of what the community was like that it actually clicked for me because before then i just thought it was a bunch of like hardcore like protocol devs and like you know doing this sort of thing e even like because from like the traditional world you don't really think of it in that way you know like startups and all that sort of thing it's not something that you can just like kind of walk through the door and like start doing stuff but crypto is like that you know a lot of these communities are very open and it's if you just like show that little bit of leadership and initiative you can like do so much and i think like so much of it is the culture and the community and how things actually work behind the curtains like isn't really visible to people outside of of those curtains and you know it's even like things like this having just conversations with people and like talking about what it is that that can do a lot to kind of motivate people and show them what it's really about uh, and i've noticed too like this time around it, it is a lot more like people are getting involved a lot more especially like with nfts and artists and things are starting to be more accessible and like community driven back in like 2017 it was just like landing pages and icos with like huge promises and how we're going to change the world but now it's it's more so like practical actually doing things and the whole degen culture and all this crypto stuff is kind of like built up this more accessible niche of people kind of building in and around crypto right and there's definitely more of like community side of things like there there were like telegram groups back then like there was like really obvious ways to like really get involved or like to even yeah find, find ways to contribute besides uh shilling 
yeah it's it's pretty crazy to see how like how much like discord has like taken off as the portal into web3 even if you, if you start to like think about the metaverse and like you know web3 kind of being the key missing component to like making the, the metaverse be a reality D- discord is a terminal into that metaverse you know with all these like communities especially like when you have like interconnected communities and like token permission chats and all these different things it's funny how like discord wasn't really built with that like use case in mind is this built for like gamers but it's funny that something that was built for gamers is the perfect fit for web3 because like web3 is like a game right do you think there will be some more crypto native project uh, disrupting discord and getting uh, more like uh, adoption from the crypto people or do you think uh, discord will also evolve to include more features so i think for crypto people to get off discord it would take like some sort of black swan event discord like bans all crypto things or like there's some sort of big hack or something really bad happens usually people are comfortable with how things are unless like there's a strong motivation to change so yeah i, I don't see discord going anywhere for a while just because so much like existing network effect and people will not be able to like migrate but i think long term yeah we're gonna you know something like matrix the way forward with it you know we will want it to be decentralized eventually but yeah i think pe- like people's ideas on like how quickly things need to be decentralized is sometimes pretty far from like the practical need for it to be decentralized and that's the thing too is like decentralization is something you need for like when shit goes bad you know it's not something you need when things are good right when things are good it's like you can kind of just trust people and things can work out it's only when people get into like you know things going south people you know losing money some sort of like bad event happens and then that's where like the decentralization of your community or project or anything gets put to the test right you really don't need everything to be decentralized yeah back in 2017 everything like decentralize everything it's like some things like like why would you even put that on the blockchain like it makes no sense to do it But it's funny also how network effect also has a impact on like having people just stay around instead of moving on. Like there's probably platforms that like do things better than Discord. Like uh, I was just uh, just installed this uh, like app called Gilded. It looks like uh, something between Discord and Basecamp. Like okay, this is this is interesting. Like it has channels, it has a voice, but it also has a bunch of other things. And like there will be hidden gems like that that people just don't go to because everything is on discord yeah i think discord is like honestly pretty solid too like i don't have too many complaints about it with discord bots especially you can kind of create a lot of your own custom features and functionality and experiences it's also about like reputation and track record if there's a new like startup or new platform that's trying to like compete with discord you know do you actually like trust discord to like stick around and like deliver on stuff versus like new companies that don't have a track record. So a lot of people, it's just a matter of that. If we're gonna like migrate our whole community to use this thing, how long is this thing gonna actually like stick around for? Um, I remember, you know, we, we it was like that Telegram clone that we were like funding through MetaCartel a while back. Oh yeah, yeah, MetaFuel. MetaFuel, yeah. You know, something like that. It's They need a lot of money to be able to like compete with Discord. And that's the thing about Discord is like, it's it's free and like the amount of stuff that you get for free is like really awesome just because they have that you know boosting mechanism that 
honestly like a pretty fair way for them to make money on the product because with slack and all these other things you have to like start paying for it and with these other newer platforms especially if they're free it's like there's always like some catch to it you know either in terms of like how long it can last or whatnot right yeah it's easy to to out compete them like as discord when you like have such a huge use base you can be free and like still make enough money to keep rolling because just because of your scale yeah and that's the thing too like usually if someone made like a web3 native discord that might be more appealing to crypto people but there's a lot of web3 functionality that can be built into discord just with bots you know a lot of people have built nft trading bots and like collabland and you know token permission chats and tip bots and all that sort of stuff just like that i feel like just covers so many use cases that people you know what what can you really do more than that it's hard yeah mainly thinking more in terms of like uh, actual project management because this is mainly like a communication tool and you can use it for a bunch of things but at the end of the day it's it's still just like channels text channels and voice channels like it really wasn't made for this purpose Raid, Raid Guild and Metafactory are like both Discords I see that use Discord heavily for project management. Uh, a part of it too is like because like everyone has a Discord account, it's easy to like, you know, invite the different people from different projects into these channels and like give them access and no one has to like sign up for anything just because everyone has it. But yeah, it's the network effects again. But actually, you you see a great thing with like the the bots bring a lot of this functionality because like. If we had this bot, for example, that uh, prompts people about the test that they should be doing, that like they committed to do, and like doing roundups and whatnot, like then you really can use it for project management. And I mean, we've been using it for project management, but yeah, it can be made a lot better. Yeah, I think in general, like with crypto or like Web3, the things that have like worked best are like kind of people piecing together different tools and things to like build something rather than like one monolithic platform that's trying to do it all you know like with even with d5 you've seen it with different d5 legos you can get a loan on ave or like use ave to like build this other yield thing and you know alchemix using yearn and kind of composing all these different things i think like that sort of strategy works a lot better i can kind of see it with like aragon you know not really taking off in a way that in the way that they probably imagined just because it's trying to be that like monolithic platform when in reality people are starting to use like snapshot and gnosis and source cred and kind of putting different pieces together specifically based on their needs and you know i, I think gnosis too it's interesting like they're really starting to pivot into being more of a DAO framework you know i think they plan to add rage quit support now so that people who have a certain token can like rage quit assets from the DAO and like building apps on Gnosis is like so much easier than building apps on Argon because Argon you have to go like, you know, make all these like advanced contracts and stuff. Whereas with Gnosis, it's like that the safe is just any other Ethereum account, you know, and you can like interact with it. Kind of like Argon agent, they added agent functionality, but Gnosis makes it even easier and kind of like natively built in. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see that like Gnosis of all the DAO frameworks, which wasn't even supposed to be a DAO framework, is kind of doing it doing it best. And we you know with Snapshot, them working with Snapshot, I think kind of helped that because a lot of these like DeFi DAOs were using Snapshot and Gnosis already as like their you know treasury. It, that, that's the thing too is like if the top ten token holders are gonna have all the voting power anyways 
it's the same thing as having like a multi-sig with those 10 people or even the five people you know the chances of them colluding to like screw over the community is very low just because they're so invested in the community and building it rather than someone taking a flesh loan yeah in, in practice that worked as a great starting point and then you know with, with the stuff they're building now it's like you can eventually just remove all those multi-sig owners and then have it so that the snapshot vote is what executes DAO interactions and then you get to the state where you're fully decentralized without having to like deal with gas fees and on-chain voting and all that stuff yeah i was gonna say that like i still think that uh, putting all those like pieces together and building this i mean depends on what you mean by monolithic like aragon definitely did it badly by making it so close but uh, gnosis is definitely making a great play here it kind of does all start with a wallet <laughs> and yeah just like having actual these these apps usable through your interface and not uh, not trying to build it all yourself but yeah actually having people yeah. collabing like co i think that's like that's that's the biggest meta in web3 is like collaborating like argon all the argon apps they try to make their own apps for everything whereas gnosis apps are just integrations to other platforms that already exist that's a really powerful thing in like web3 that's different from web2 is that collaborating is more effective as a business strategy than trying to like build your own and compete and you know that's kind of like for me that even joining metagame that was like the main sort of value or purpose i saw in metagame is like reducing those information asymmetry those those silos where like people are building the same thing in multiple different places and using that to compete you know even just like web 2 right you think of apple versus facebook versus you know google how many billions of dollars are spent on building the exact same shit in, in these three different companies just so they can compete with each other in web3 it's like it's already it already is the case where you have huge projects and communities yearn and ave and compound and these newer ones like alchemix and they're all so powerful because they're collaborating with each other and creating this network of value you know like they're not even really trying to compete with each other like sushi swap and uniswap you know that was one that was like really trying to compete but that's an interesting case in and of itself because it was like that was about community first kind of like web3 crypto native um, mindset from sushi swap versus like uniswap's kind of more traditional like vc funded startup mindset and i don't even blame uniswap because when uniswap came to be like there wasn't any of these like fleshed out or proven out or you know like no one figured these things out they needed to kind of go that traditional route because there wasn't any sort of playbook yet but you know in the last like after the bear market with the tokens you know in with 2017 it was like everyone just focused on that one use case of tokens which is like selling them and icos didn't experiment beyond that but like two years after that you know in the last like 18 months people really started to experiment with tokens more start to see what they can be used for and then that's where we got all these like really interesting projects and communities and you know tokens actually like being something more meaningful rather than just hype it's the same thing with nfts now nfts right now is the same thing as icos back in 2017 where people are just focused on this one use case of minting art with nfts and not thinking beyond that but you can already start to see some projects and communities starting to think beyond just you know here's a token that has a picture attached to it into like unlocking experiences like meta key it's like this project by maddie uh dcl blogger i don't know if you 
you've probably seen them on Twitter, but like MetaKey is basically this NFT that's supposed to represent access to like a bunch of experiences in the metaverse and then like crypto. So it's, you know, if you have one MetaKey, then you can access all these different things from different projects. So, you know, they're collaborating with MetaFactory and MetaPurse and like so many different like NFT and crypto communities where eat all of them have kind of like agreed to like have some sort of exclusive experience unlocked by people who have this meta key. A kind of example from the traditional world is if you have some sort of like AMA membership or like, you know, you have a certain, you know, platinum credit card that you can like access all these special lounges and all the airports. But instead of just being limited to one community, it's kind of this passport to like multiple communities in, in the crypto space. And, you know, so, so that's something that's more exciting with NFTs is like these kind of experiential actually using this thing for something, you know, it has value in the experience that it brings. Yeah, definitely. So much more to NFTs than just art. And most people just think, okay, NFTs, that's art. <laughs> and yeah, I think too, for me, when I was like first coming into the crypto space, I just having that more outsider perspective, like gave me a real advantage or edge against people who have been in the space longer because I didn't have that bubble or like, you know, same feedback loop of talking to the same people about the same things. You know, crypto Twitter is kind of like a echo chamber in, in a lot of ways. So for me now, it's like I'm, I've already like used up that power, you know, now I'm so deep in it that like I can't have that outsider perspective anymore. So like new people who are coming into crypto instead of thinking that people in crypto have it right and whatever like they think is wrong or they just don't get it yet, they should actually like kind of double down or at least explore their opinions and thoughts on all these things because their the outsider perspective is like shows you something that like people who are so deep into it don't see anymore or, or don't appreciate anymore like when i was starting metagame i was really on top of things like it was at that point it was still possible to be in like uh, up to date with everything happening in crypto but then like uh, as i focus on this thing the, the more and more crypto grew and like it's I just wasn't able to stay up to date with all this uh, DeFi NFT stuff. I mean, like no one really is. It's it's a full-time job just keeping up with it, right? If you try to keep up with it, then you're not really building anything. Anyone who's actually like, building is like, you know, not really plugged in with everything else going on. That's the kind of other coordination issue is the, the people who are like building and focused and creating value are kind of like disconnected from the kind of public facing like conversation, you know, the people that sort of sit at that place of representing the community are the ones are just kind of spending all their time, you know, keeping up on social media and Twitter and just engaging on that surface level without actually like, you know, getting down, getting dirty in the mud. It's, it's tricky. There's, you know, Defiant and like the, you know, Robin who's like makes those awesome like videos, tells those stories. He's doing an amazing job there. That kind of, bringing to light these sort of things but there needs to be more of that kind of bridging between what's really kind of being created behind the scenes and like you know kind of telling those stories in a public way yeah those videos are amazing hopefully we'll get him to do one for metagame <laughs> he was he talked about possibly doing a workshop on video production and i i said okay that's perfect time because it's metafest let's Come on, do it. <laughs> but then he ended up uh, giving up because 
it's just <laughs> too much shit going on like the man does so much let's go back let's uh, hear more about you like uh, I, I guess you said uh, part of the way like uh, exactly how you got into here but like why were you interested in this in first place and like uh, how did you get to, to even getting too close to crypto and, like your path of uh, choosing freelancing over Microsoft and things like that yeah so it's 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 pretty interesting like for me the, there's that, like Steve Jobs quote where like things might may not make sense in the moment but like you, you can connect the dots looking backwards but not looking forwards kind of the decisions you make in life I never felt like I was kind of it was kind of like conscious decisions that I was like following what's like the logical thing to do but kind of like more so what I wanted to do or like was it like right for me or basically I guess the way to think about it is the things that I would regret not doing you know things that I would rather do and fail rather than like not do and like miss a chance of actually that thing working out, you know, like missing an opportunity like that. And so, so for me, like crypto was kind of like that. My entire journey of everything I did in my life to like get there, it, it still feels to me like very crafted. Like there was some sort of guiding force to like put me down that path where I, I didn't know why I was making those decisions, but they were being made for me too. Like I am like a, pure like determinist that I kind of I do believe that like everyone's sort of fates are kind of you know what what's going to happen next is like determined by the like previous state of the universe and you know we're all sort of kind of on our trajectory um if you watch the show devs it kind of like goes into that a bit more in that sense like I've always just tried to like follow where you know where my heart says that you know this is what you should be doing even if it doesn't make sense logically it's funny like when I was a uh, when I was in like grade three or grade four that's when I told my parents I wanted to be a computer engineer in a way I was almost like decided at that point that that's what I wanted to do um, and after that like I've I kind of went in like different paths when I went into university I actually applied for petroleum engineering like that's what I wanted to do but I didn't get in because my marks weren't good enough uh, so then I had to settle for computer engineering but that turned out to be a very good thing because the oil industry like completely crashed in where I am in, in Canada. It was, it was huge before and like petroleum engineering was like the best paying one by far. And you know, at that time I was just kind of like focused on the money aspect of it. Oh, this pays the best, so that's what I should do. But you know, I ended up in computer engineering and that ended up you know, just being like a way better thing, especially with remote work and the whole like COVID and um, just like the state of the world and how powerful having that kind of skill can be. And in, in terms of crypto, I got involved in crypto kind of, um, so I used to play a lot of RuneScape and I would like spend a lot of time on these online forums and, you know, people were botting and creating all these like bots and, you know, it was kind of like learning to like script some stuff there and like people on these forums would be like talking about Bitcoin and using that to like buy and sell their like different botting services. And then, you know, you could mine Bitcoin back then. And that's what I started doing. Like, I thought it was cool. Like, oh, you know, I'll mine some Bitcoin and, you know, use it to like pay for these services and stuff. So I had a bunch of Bitcoin back then. And then, you know, it kind of like faded away. I was in high school at that time. And like, I sold most of my Bitcoin because it was, I think it was like 15 grand or something. I sold a few like hundred Bitcoin for that amount. So I was like, for me in high school, that was like an, a huge amount of money. My parents never let me get a job because they want me to focus on my studies in school. So 
I, I basically started buying computer parts and building computers and selling computers. And, you know, like playing RuneScape kind of like gave me that sort of uh, like mentality or mindset where in, in RuneScape, you're, you're always kind of looking, to, okay, I can gather these resources, make this thing and then sell it for more and like trying to optimize for, you know, where, where can I make the like most uh, profit from like doing this thing without doing it before other people find out. Cause like if two people start doing it, then it gets saturated and it's not meta anymore. It's like understanding the meta of the game and like getting good at making money in RuneScape that way kind of like taught me about economics and supply and demand and all this sort of stuff. So like that led me into building computers and doing all that sort of stuff. You know, I would, I would go and like price match all my parts and get like crazy discount, you know, do, do all, all these sort of things to make money and I'm almost you know, really thankful to my parents that they didn't let me get a job because it forced me to be more creative in terms of how I made money. Yeah, after after going into uni, I was like, that's when Bitcoin started going up to like a few hundred dollars each and, you know, then thousands of dollars each. And I was like really salty about it the whole time. And I kind of just like ignored it, didn't really care until like mid 2016 or late 2016 when I heard from like my finance friends about Ethereum. I thought it was cool and I just started, you know, following and reading up about it. And then like late 2016, early 2017, when Ether was like around like a few hundred, that's when I started buying Ether and like kind of being, reading all the posts on like r slash ETH trader and Ethereum subreddit and started generally like read more about this stuff. And it was super fascinating to me, but it wasn't really something I thought I would be actually like working in or like, you know, using as like my career path. I always just saw it oh, I can maybe make some money off of, you know, buying and trading this coin. And I was actually planning to go after I finished my degree into AI and go and get a master's in AI because my, my university was like one of the top schools for AI. The professors here kind of like wrote a lot of the early books and like main theory on modern AI stuff. And, you know, back then too, AI was the hot topic. But then I had some other friends who were like doing AI stuff and like I graduated in... 2018 that was like it was like after the bear market but that's when i think ethereum the whole ethereum community really shined you know there was like a lot of gold being built in that like post bear market phase i think all even die die came out i think at the end of the bear market so that wasn't even a thing for most of the bull market starting to see like all amazing stuff happening in that space and the fact that even after this whole big sell-off that there's all these like crazy smart people still working on this thing. Like it made me think, okay, there must be something more to this than just like another like cryptocurrency. And that's where reading about the DAO and the DAO hack, like one of one of the first things too was like Amin's posts on Moloch DAO and like how Moloch DAO could be used as like a coordination mechanism, you know, for people just simple thing of like rage credibility. And you know, that that's where like my mind started racing as holy crap, like, you know, this can be a crazy tool for like how society and humanity evolves. You know, this is a pivotal like shift as if not more important than like the internet was. And, you know, so at that point I graduated school and I had a, a job offer for Microsoft and I could move to Seattle and like go do that whole thing. But for me, I, I've still never had like a traditional job. So, and I, I had a really good like contract just doing freelance work for app development and I was like do I really want to go down that like whole route and I decided that I, I really liked the freedom of setting my own time and my own hours 
for me, I'm not like a morning person at all. So like even just the thought of being on like some sort of pre-fixed like schedule was like not appealing to me. And I, I still wasn't exactly sure like where I wanted to go. So I was, okay, you know, I'm just going to like continue doing this freelance gig um, until I, you know, make enough money to pay off my loans and then, you know, see where I can go from there. Just doing that freelance gig, it was like 2018, 2019. 2019 is like when I started, you know, hearing about the Meta Cartel community, you know, uh, late 2019 was, that was around the time where like I was almost, you know, uh, done paying off my loans. I was still making good money there, but I was kind of at that point ready to like, okay, what's my next step going to be? And I really wanted it to be, you know, in the Ethereum community, kind of like seeing like what I can do there. But I then started like learning Solidity and like, you know, reading all this stuff instead of just like jumping in, I was like, okay, I need to like prepare for like a year to like learn enough so I can, you know, even do this. But in the meantime, I'm going to go to DevCon. And then, yeah, I went to DevCon, kind of got a real sense of how the community was. And then we went from there. I think one of the earlier big influences that kind of wrote me in was the Ethub podcast, like Anthony Sassano and uh, the other guy, Ethub. That was like a really great podcast. I think they did an amazing job at kind of like, talking really about the the awesome innovation happening and like highlighting some of these like really cool like not really publicly talked about stuff because you know even right now like if you think about what's the most like publicly what has like the most like mind share of like the general public it's like dog you know that's it they don't really grasp yet like all the like crazy stuff happening in ethereum and even though ether price is like going crazy high i don't think it's because people actually realize how impactful or pivotal this is it's more so just you know market trends and like there are people who do and like i think institutional money is like starting to see this too and that's like kind of what's kick-started it but and it's like kind of fueling it you know the eip 1559 people are like oh this is going to be deflationary now so i'm going to put all my money into it like they're still coming from that mindset right there's not really the mindset of like this is going to like revolutionize how we coordinate as a species you know, it's more so like, oh, this is going to be deflationary currency. So I think that is priced in now, but that concept is still not like kind of present in most people's minds. And for me, it's like spending the last like year or over, I don't even know how long I've been here, but however long, um, you know, since like a year and a half, I'd say, I guess it's been like one of the most rewarding and like impactful experiences for me personally. And like just there's no other place or industry or kind of, you know, thing I would be wanting to do other than this, you know, even just being born in this like internet age was like a crazy thing, you know, more has changed in the last like three years, five years, than like would change in like 50 years in the 1800s or something, you know, the time scales of like how fast we're advancing and stuff is just it's so crazy. And, you know, being in that I was born in 1995 and like 95 was actually when like JavaScript was invented. A lot of the early internet technologies were like created in 1995. I was like born right at that like thing where when I was young, I still had that like pre-internet experience. And like I kind of knew what the world was like before the internet, whereas people born now, like they don't really appreciate that or know that. So like kind of seeing that transition and like being born at that time and kind of finishing school at that same time that you know we were right before the next really growth cycle in ethereum and all these things it was you know for me it was like this is all like connected you know and that for me is felt this whole being in this space is like my purpose and it's been like super super fulfilling in that way
and it's kind of like effortless like you didn't have to apply to any job you just started flowing between these communities and making money you didn't even have to ask for a grant or anything you just come in come in start contributing and start earning it's like it just happens and it's it's funny because that's how i i kind of live my life even before this you know like in runescape like you don't get a job in runescape you just go do stuff and like see what you can like you know value you can create and it's also about having fun you know like you're not just doing stuff because you're being told to do it you're doing stuff because you want to do it um and, and it feels rewarding and you know stimulating and then same thing with like you know building computers and that you know more entrepreneurial side of things was like always really fun to me because it was i felt you know i'm not like i'm not like spending my life to like build someone else's equity or like kind of help someone else succeed more than i can you know in crypto and this whole space it really feels even if you're working for projects and communities and things like you feel like and you do have a level of like ownership and self-sovereignty that, that you don't in the, in the traditional world where it, it feels more like a machine that's kind of like pre-configured or pre-programmed to kind of like guide people down this like certain rail of you know you go to university you get a job you pay off your loans you get a mortgage and you spend 30 years paying off your mortgage and you know you go get a house in the suburbs and you get a car so you can like you know spend 20 minutes driving to work every day back and forth so that the auto industry and the oil industry can survive and that's all people know you know it's the allegory of the cave by plato he made this like example of like people living in a cave who are like born in a cave their whole lives and there's like a fire lit behind them and the only thing they've seen in their whole lives is just their shadows being cast on this like cave wall and then one of them is let free and he goes outside and he sees the trees and the sun and the grass and the birds and all this stuff and then he's holy crap and he goes back and like tells us other people and they're like what are you talking about it doesn't make any sense like because those people like the only concept they have in their mind is these shadows in the wall and so much of society especially you know pre-covid pre-internet was just like this is what life is this is what everyone else is doing so i'm just going to do it you know um the mind the human brain is kind of like trained for conformity or to like you know survive and with survival it's like you know just kind of doing what's working for everyone else is the easiest way kind of to continue to survive you know whereas there's not really any incentive for you to like try to like come up with something unique or you know um different the internet really opened that kind of worms and allowed people to share ideas and share you know concepts and you know find their niche communities of like-minded people and communicate and do all this stuff and then you know web3 is just the next evolution of that where not only you can do share information but you can share value and build value and create you know there's that great article about like squad wealth you're you're like close friends you're like group the people that you like trust and know and love and care about now you have ways to like do everything together and kind of like grow together and like you know support each other in this like positive some way and it's like with with the whole pandemic and covid like that kind of ripped all the curtains off you know kind of like was a big reset for people yeah a big breakdown and people just realized the absurdity of everything and that's how then dogs started pumping <laughs> then that's that's it was only then that people started to question like wait why why am i driving to work every day you know like why am i like doing all these things that i wouldn't otherwise be doing um and that like that kind of you know i i think there is like a big silver lining in that and there is like a huge shift i think in society's um like perception of how how the world works and the institutions and all that sort of stuff so 
and just like in general like how the whole like story of satoshi and how he created bitcoin and you know just how how these things all like played out it's like it feels like none of it was like a coincidence you know like it's all a, a simulation it's like the, the crazy thing is is like i don't even know where we're gonna be like five years from now you know with how much has happened and how things are accelerating if things are gonna like keep accelerating i think it's just like a matter of sorry a matter of when and not if in terms of like how society is going to evolve past what we've had now we will be overall like better for it but at the same time it is going to bring like just with the internet internet was like i i still think internet was a net benefit to society but it's also been like a huge has had a huge negative impact on society and people's mental health and social media and like how that all transpired and i think with crypto too it's going to be the same thing where it, it is going to be a net benefit but there's going to be like ways in which we make the problems worse instead of better but i think you know overall i i do really believe in that like concept of almost all of our problems in the world come down to like our inability to coordinate effectively and just having better coordination tools in general i think gets us closer to that state but you know at the end of the day i, I don't even think there is any sort of end and like optimum state that we want to be in it's it's not really about some sort of destination that we're trying to get to but more so like the journey of how can we you know continue to improve and get better it's it's almost a dystopia if everything is perfect you know because like good things are only defined by bad things you can only be like really grateful and happy for you know things that you have because you you see that not everyone has these things if, if everything's the same then everything loses its meaning and you know life loses all its color and everyone would be like depressed as hell because there's no like there's no nothing to like grow nothing to like be excited about nothing to like want to change all these things that are like bad in the world nothing to strive for yeah exactly all the things wrong in the world are all like opportunities for you to like do something about and you know feel the fulfillment for helping helping improve mm. i actually read a great thread yes a few days ago about visa about how people actually love being in war <laughs> so i mean a part of it was about it like how like a bunch of people tend to be happier during the time of war because yeah it brings people more together and gives them something like gives meaning to life and like how soldiers get depressed when they get back and not gonna get into that interesting point as well before like uh, these uh, you can't predict everything that these technologies will give us like there's a lot of great potential but also like a lot of uh, bad things to happen potentially like the zero knowledge DAOs like okay that's good in theory but then you give it to the <laughs> drug cartels and like even the the rise of like communities okay you can say like okay it's communities like what can be bad about like having more communities but then like you also get tr tribalism <laughs> so there's always two sides of the the coin yeah even with like you know DeFi, it's like we have all these better tools for finance but you know in a way it's almost hyper capitalization uh, or hyper capitalism you know in terms of, like the problems capitalism caused like define a way like solves a lot of them but also like you know exacerbates a lot of them in terms of, like rich getting richer and all that stuff but you know the the nice part is is at least now there's equal access to opportunity for everyone and i think the people that are going to benefit most from this technology are 
the people that have been like traditionally like underserved by like the existing you know institutions and infrastructure so like you know developing countries like a lot of countries in africa where they're only now starting to get access to like financial infrastructure for them that's like a way bigger jump or like change in difference you know from like having it's like a zero to one thing uh if you look at just even access to the internet right before it was like 50 years ago like if you wanted an education like you know born in a country that you know didn't have access to like that sort of thing you're kind of just screwed but now like anyone you know with an internet connection anywhere in the world can like watch the same like stanford lectures as like someone who has you know the privilege of going to stanford and you know if you see how these tools are being used in like north america or first world countries it's like you know people having literally like access to the entire world's information in the palm of their hands like instantly anywhere and the thing that's being used most is just like you know people making each other depressed on instagram by like you know posting pictures about their fake lives you know to like feel better and validate themselves like that's where all and like tiktok and all this stuff like that's where all the like time and energy is being spent you know whereas for these more like developing countries they 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 actually appreciate it way more and are you know they don't take it as for granted because they didn't have it before so they have the biggest they're actually going to make the most benefit out of that thing and yeah i think same thing's going to happen with you know crypto and all these sort of things whereas it's like you know even with the internet cell phones smartphones it started in like these first world countries and even right now that's where it's happening with crypto it's like it's not really crypto's not really making a huge impact in you know these third world countries as it could be and it is still kind of uh centered around first world like you know finance stuff like rich people getting richer but like the the technologies are eventually going to go down and start to like be accessible to those people and it already is in a lot of ways and make that sort of impact there but yeah even even with the like this decentralized access i don't know if you've seen the post that i wrote yesterday but i i kind of went on this uh, rant about these two pets of crypto like one about uh, value creation and one about the value extraction and yeah, one, one of the things that i touched upon is like how the this decentralized decentralized access to like uh, financial tools is also there's something about like rebuilding the wall street you know like hmm, this i see like this is the point of crypto and uh, it's uh, in some way still like uh, i'm not sure that's a good thing <laughs> but uh like I want to create, uh, okay, do, we do want like a decentralized financial system, but we want to build something that's better than we, what we had on like with Wall Street. Yeah, something more regenerative rather than degenerative. But like what what we ended up getting is uh, degens, <laughs> and like uh, you, you get, uh, yeah, you give everyone access to these uh, financial tools, and what you get is a giant casino in the wild west. Like people just uh, chasing the highest possible APIs without caring anything about the projects and what they stand for, like or who owns them, and uh, yeah, just caring about the uh, highest APIs and chasing those highs. Yeah, I li- I liked uh, um, Nomsky's post on like the source cred um, like addiction. That that story is like it, I think that's that paints like a pretty good idea of like how things could go bad in these like you know decentralized communities of like you know the future of work. Um. Yeah, it ties to what what I was going to say. Like you previously brought this example of people like on Instagram chasing likes, 
and then in DeFi people are chasing the uh, chasing high API, so they're again chasing dopamine hits, except uh, like with I guess uh, more uh, financial apps upside. But then there's also like this uh, <laughs> Soska junkie, which is like the worst of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, we've been going for about an hour, more maybe. Yeah, we can probably wrap this up. It was great talking to you. Um... All right, dude. Yeah, good talking to you, and uh, see you around.